What you're about to watch is, uh, is what uh, my, my old friend Kurt Kennedy called a smoke session. I don't know if you're ready for the smoke. <laughs> God bless you, Kurt, man. I haven't thought about you in a long time. God bless you. I hope everything's well with you, man. I really do. In any case. Hello there. This is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, let's jump into it today. God bless you. I hope all is well. You might hear it in my voice, but I'm still kind of recovering from a little cold here. Excuse me. So I don't know how long I'll be able to talk, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll try to get through it. That's what we're going to try to do. First off today, I wanted to start with uh, with Bart Barber. Man, this guy is a real piece of work. I, I got to be honest with you. He's he's like a doofus, but like a doofus kind of implies like, you know, kind of jovial, kind of comical. You know, it's funny. Ha, he, he, ha, ha. You laugh at him kind of thing. But he's also kind of vicious at the same time. He's he's. He's a loser, honestly, is what he is. And, and and the reality is that this is the kind of thing that I mean. Like, like you know, he's one of these guys that pretends to be un- unapologetically pro-life. But, of course, you know, he doesn't think that the women should be prosecuted and stuff like that. And and here here he is. And, and this is the thing. This is the thing that I find so ridiculous. Like, they, they make their ridiculous cases about how, you know, women who who pay doctors to kill their children... You know, they're really victims because, you know, a lot of people are pressured into killing their children. And it's like, okay, well, okay, let's just say some women are pressured into killing their children. A lot of them aren't, though, and they're just freaking murderers. They, lo- they, they love the idea that they're killing their children, right? So for every woman that's pressured, peer pressured into committing murder, there's another one who just loves it and lusts for blood, and we need to consider that. But, of course, guys like Bart Barber, they, they can't consider that, right? Because mm, I'm going to be nice today. I'm going to be nice today because I'm—, I'm I'm a little angry, but I'm going to be nice. That's the first part. But the second part is, here's the re- Like, do these guys ever think that, let's just say every woman that committed an abortion was peer pressured into it. Let's just say every one of them. Give them the whole argument. There's no killers out there that are women. They're just peer pressured into killing their own children. So they, they, they got this peer pressure from their family, and they're being pressured into committing murder. Don't you think, Bart, like, 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 has this ever entered your brain that, that, that maybe they wouldn't commit murder, even if they're peer pressured into it, if there was an actual penalty attached to it? Did you ever think that? Like, like, you know, your parents are like, oh, you got to kill your kids. And the, and the, and the women are like, yeah, but if I kill my kids, I might end up on death row. Don't you think that that might limit the amount of women that fall for the peer pressure? Don't you think? I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, listen, I, I'm not the SBC brain trust like Bart Barber, but but I don't know something about that little scenario that I've just envisioned in my head. Oh, you know, you know, daughter, you really got to kill your kid because it's going to it's going to cause shame for the family. But mom, if I do it, I'm going to end up on death row. No, no, you really got to do it. Like, don't you think that might actually limit abortions? Because here's what the Lord of God, the Lord of glory says. The Lord of glory says that you need to actually punish murderers because the person that they murdered was made in the image of God and it doesn't give you an excuse if you were peer pressured into it Bart <laughs> I mean this is this is the brain trust of the SBC this is the ERLC you know the ethics experts all of that 
And I know it sounds like I'm yelling, because I kind of am, but I also, I, I kind of I have to raise my voice because my throat's kind of hurting. But in any case, oh, man, it's just, it's just like, it's just so stupidly simple. It's so stupidly simple that it, in order to actually not see this, you have to be an idiot or lying. And I quite frankly think that there's a little bit of both going on when it comes to Bart Barber. I don't think he's that intelligent, number one. But I also think that he's lying. And, and, and one of the reasons why I think he's lying, you might say, hey, AD, that's not very charitable. It's much more charitable to just think he's a complete idiot. And I agree, that would be more charitable to think that Bart Barber is simply unintelligent. However, I don't think that's all that's at play here. And this is a spicy episode, so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think that that's all that's at play with Bart Barber because Bart Barber is one of the most conniving people I have ever come across in my entire Twitter, Twitter history. And that is saying something because there are quite a few conniving people in the SBC and there are quite a few conniving people in the SBC that have big Twitter presences and Bart Barber is definitely one of them. Here's Bart Barber. So, so, so the other day there was the State of the Union address. Of course I didn't watch it because I'd rather... I'd rather do almost anything than watch the State of the Union address, but I was doing something else. And uh, I guess that, you know, the Leatherwood, the ERLC brainchild, uh, said, oh, this is great. Did you see how, how little he talked about abortion? This is awesome. We're, we're winning. This is fantastic. Something to that effect. That's a summary. <laughs> and everyone notices, like, this is the single most pro-abortion president in the history of the world. <laughs> and you're celebrating that we're somehow, this is a great thing that the speech showed you that it's actually, he's not really that pro abortion Like, are you insane, dude? And, and a lot of people were pointing this out. You know, go to, go to Tom Askell's Twitter feed to sh see some of that. And Meg, Megan ba Basham, Basham uh, mentioned it as well. And in a tweet, she just, she just she retweeted him and she's like, what's the deal here? You know what I mean? What's the deal here? So Bart Barber decides to go on the attack, and, and he says, Oh, this whole thing is just, oh, oh, you know how to say it, lacking any modicum of what someone might call journalism. And he goes into this little tirade, this little, this little tantrum, this little about how Megan Basham's a big meanie, and that journalism is just, it's just, now it's everyone's on the attack, and there's no journalism in this tweet. And it's like, like you might not like Megan Basham's journalism, and that's fine. You know, I don't read Megan Basham. I've read, I read her stuff on the sexual uh, abuse report. That was very interesting and high-quality journalism, if I do say so myself. Um, I, I don't read Megan Basham's articles, but, but, but I do know that there is a difference. Bart, I know this is hard. You, you, you've got a lot on your mind. You're the SBC president. You know, you've got a lot of important things and complex things to think through. I know that, that your brain is otherwise occupied. But, Bart, there is a difference between journalism and the Twitter feed of a journalist. Journalism and the Twitter feed of a journalist. Journalism is a certain thing. Tweets are something different. Now, can tweets be a part of journalism? Of course they can. Of course they can. But the thing is, tweets can also just be opinions. Tweets can also just be analysis. Tweets can also just be for fun. There's all kinds of things that people tweet about that are separate from what they do for a living. 
But no, no, Bar Barber, because he's a conniving little weasel, and, and this, is the, this is the thing. And here he has this whole tweet, and then Griffin Gulich got on it. Griffin Gulich is one of the most disingenuous people that I've ever come across. He got in on this and things like that. And look, I'm not going to defend Megan's journalism. I mean, I've, again, I don't read it, so how can I defend it all? I, I like the sexual abuse stuff because that was quality journalism, Bart. But the thing is, like, is, is Megan allowed to tweet about something that she finds objectionable? Is she allowed to tweet things that are not journalism? Now, in Bart's Barber's mind, it doesn't matter because he saw an opportunity to attack and attack he did. He doesn't want to make that distinction because this is a helpful little uh, tool in his ridiculous arsenal to try to, I don't know, defend himself. I, I don't know what his real goal here is. Obviously, he wants to hurt Megan Basham, but I think it's more about self-preservation and self-defense because Megan's journalism, not the tweets, the journalism has made him and his cronies look extremely shady. And they are extremely shady. But Bart Barber, man, and this whole thing with the, with the abortion laws and stuff and, and how the SBC works. Guys, if you're in the SBC, your dollars, your dollars that you pay to the cooperative program work to keep abortion going. To keep it popular, to keep it legal, to keep the business going. Your dollars have paid for that in many circumstances. So you need to consider where you put your money. I think that the SBC would, would be better off if it had no money. That's my opinion. Not journalism. Just my opinion. I think that the SBC needs to be disbanded. It needs to be destroyed. Because the reality is... That if you have a church, an organization, a cooperative program that cooperates to kill abortion abolition bills, then you've got a serious problem. You've got a very serious problem indeed. That's just my opinion, though. <laughs> don't, 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 don't get it twisted. Just my opinion. And I'm allowed to have some opinions. I wanted to have another opinion. Uh, I saw this thread by Josh Dawes. I thought it was so interesting. I disagree with Josh, but Josh is a good guy. And I remember when Josh was, was, um, was I don't know if this was when he first came out on Twitter. Came out, I shouldn't have said that. Josh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. When, I, don't, I don't know if this is when you were first active on Twitter, but this is the first time I saw you on Twitter. And, you know, you were, you were a very helpful guy. You know, you're very winsome in a good way. Um, but you've gotten... How shall I say? Uh, hardened over the years, but you're still got your heart in the right place, which is why the, uh, a few a few weeks ago there was a, a hit piece on Josh, and and I got really mad about it because Josh is a good guy. He's got his heart in the right place. He's trying to be a peacemaker and he's trying to be helpful. In fact, I think that's what his whole uh, it, yeah. See right here, it says he's just trying to help. That's what he's doing. He's just here to just try to help. He's the host of the Great Awakening podcast. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, I'm sure it's very good stuff indeed. Now, I disagree with Josh here, but I, I can see that his heart's in the right place. He's just trying to help. So let's talk about this thread. And I, I, there's some agreement here, but there's some disagreement. So let's talk about it. I'm going to go piece by piece. Josh Dawes says this. The evangelical Overton window has moved significantly since many of us first began warning about wokeness in the church. It should be expected that many leaders who were previously silent, or worse, parroting woke ideology, will begin to speak up now that it's within the realm of acceptable evangelical discourse to criticize it. This is a win. I agree, that is a win. The Overton window it has shifted dramatically. You guys, you would not believe 
the private conversations that I have with people, like the things that are that people aren't any longer scared to talk about with a guy like me. They're not ashamed to have opinions that they have. You guys, you would not believe it. You guys would call the ADL, Anti-Defamation League. That's the ADL, right? Yeah, the ADL. You'd call, the, uh, maybe not the police. Yeah, no, definitely you wouldn't call the police, but you'd call the, uh, the speech police. Yeah, the speech police. You'd call the speech police. If you could only hear the conversations I have with private, uh, private conversations I have with, with Christians, Oh, it's so encouraging. It, it really is. It is so encouraging. People are ready to just believe what the scripture says. They're ready to just trust God. They're, they're in the position of the man, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. They're just ready. Everything's on the table. They're ready to go. They're ready to work. This is some serious stuff. And, and the Overton, we should make no mistake. All the hard work that we've put, been putting in is having an impact. It's a lot slower than a lot of us like. That's just a fact. But uh, we're having a huge impact, guys. God bless you. And I, I couldn't have done it without so many of the people that are watching this channel. They support the channel on Patreon. Um, we couldn't have done it. The people that watch these videos, not just me, with John Harris, all these guys, Joel Webin, all these guys. Um, thank you. Thank you so much because um, your input, your support, your, your viewership helps us to keep going, man. Okay, let's just continue. But I, I agree. I agree. This is huge. The Overton window has shifted dramatically. And that we should recognize that as a win. But here's what he's saying. He's saying there's going to be some people that were silent before, or even worse, that were woke before, that are now going to start to criticize it. And he says that's a win. I agree. That is a win. That's a win. Okay? So, so far, I'm in agreement with Josh. Let's continue. He said, would it be nice if they publicly acknowledged where they were wrong and repented where necessary? Sure, I'd love to see that. It would go a long way to healing much of the division this necessary battle has inflicted the last few years. I encourage them to do so. However, it's not my job to make them pay for their past mistakes. Regardless of whether or not you or I find them to be trustworthy leaders or not, they are leaders nonetheless. Please follow, people follow them and respect their opinions. When they start speaking truth that needs to be heard, regardless of how contradictory it is to previous teaching, that's a win because people have refused to listen to us all those years will listen to them. I know it's frustrating, but we need to take the W, content to know that our efforts have not been in vain. These leaders will answer to God one day for any neglect or false teaching that they haven't repented of. Leave them to God and be grateful that they are providing sound teaching now. If we feel the need to correct every leader that comes around to what we've been saying, who has previously failed in some way, we are going to end up playing whack-a-mole because we've been incredibly successful at moving the evangelical Overton. The winds have shifted. Let's celebrate that. Here's where I disagree. So, number one, I agree that it's a win. It's a win when the previously silent or the previously woke change their way. That's a huge win. However, we don't have to just sit there and say, man, I really hope that you explain why you've changed so that you could help the church. I really hope so. And if you don't, I'm just going to leave it like, leave it there, leave it, leave it, leave it like that. Now, look, here's the reality. Like, like, of course, we can't make them repent, right? We can't make them, um, you know, explain their situation, explain how they've changed and stuff like that. We can't make them. But I think it is 
absolutely important for us to draw attention to that fact. I want it to be as uncomfortable as possible for Al Mohler. Every time he comes out and claims that he's a Christian nationalist now, I want it to be very uncomfortable for him. So what, what I'm going to do is point out, you are not a Christian nationalist. You are just a guy sticking your finger up, trying to see which way the wind's blowing to, to, to further build your little empire. That's what I'm going to say, because yesterday you were woke. So explain to me why you're not woke right now, because that would be helpful, actually, before I can accept any of your nonsense about how you're a stalwart that I should follow. Here's the thing, though. What I'm not saying is that the things that they're teaching, if they're good, are no longer good because they don't really believe it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we absolutely have, have to make this, life, this uncomfortable for them because the reality is that many of the people that are going to be talking now that used to be woke, that are no longer woke because we've, had, we've been so successful at shifting this Overton window, a lot of these guys, they're going to shift again. The, the, the minute the pressure is on, this is the important thing, Josh, and I'm not mad at you, dude. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think you're a great dude, and I'm, I'm glad that you're in this fight, brother. I am. But here's the important thing, though. The minute the pressure is on, because it's coming. It's coming. There's going to be a new COVID situation, and the government is going to put the pressure, the screws to the church, right? All those people that are changing their ways now because we've shifted the over to window, they don't believe anything. They have no scruples. They're just doing whatever they think is going to gather them the most kudos and accolades, right? They're going to cave again. They're going to cave again, and we ought to consider that the future state of the church when we act. Now, I'm not saying we have to cast him out into outer darkness. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Al Mohler can never say something uh, helpful or good. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you should never listen to them no matter what they say. I'm not saying that. I think it's similar to the Pharisees. Jesus gave advice to his followers about the Pharisees. Do as they say, don't do what they do. Do as they say, do what they teach, listen to what they teach. They're teaching the right things. And not all of it was right. God, uh, God, God, uh, God criticized a lot of what they were teaching, right? But, but in general, when they were teaching the law, they were doing okay. Do what they say, don't do what they do. Jesus was drawing attention to the contradiction. He was drawing attention to the fact that these guys are freaking weasels. And I think we need to do that. We need to do that. Al Mohler is in it for himself. He's in it for himself. Do what he says. Don't do what he does. Because what he does is unacceptable. What he says, a lot of good stuff there. A lot of good, not, not perfect, who among us is. Not perfect, who among us is. But do what he says. Don't do what he does. That's the example I think we ought to follow. Jesus was no stranger to, to making it uncomfortable. For those Pharisees. You know, you guys talk a big game. You don't do anything of what you say. In fact, you do the opposite. He did not, for the sake of peace, say, well, we're not going to really draw attention to that. Josh, I think you're wrong here. I think you're wrong. I'm not saying that they're unbelievers. I'm not saying you cast them in the outer dark. By the way, Josh, I think there's a difference, too, between the ones that were previously silent and the ones that were parroting woke ideology. If you were silent, I get it, man. You were, I want to say this in a nice way. I'm just going to say it, and it's not going to come out nice, but I'm, I, I mean it in a nice way. You were scared. You, you were a coward. You were a coward, and you needed uh, to see some, some, some people that weren't scared before you got your courage. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes I'm scared. You know what I mean? I, I've been there, man. I know what that's like. 
You were scared to do the right thing. A lot of these guys were scared to do the right thing. But now that they see that we're out here doing it, and look, it's not the end of our lives. It's not the end of those pastors' lives that, didn't, that stood up to the government. It's not the end of the road. They're like, you know what? Now I'm going to do it. Some people need that, man. And, and I, that came out harsher than I meant it to come out. I couldn't think of a way to say it. But, but some of these guys were looking for a leader. Let's, let's just say that. They were looking for a leader. So the silent the people that you're mentioning, Josh, I've got a different take for them. But the ones that were woke as a joke, and now they're like, oh, well, I'm okay. Hey, fellow Christian nationalists. <laughs> Absolutely not until you tell me what happened. Tell the church because the church needs to hear your transition story. What happened? What, what did you see the error of your way so that they could see the error of their ways? What, how have you seen the light? What was it? What was it? We need to, we need to increase the pressure, Josh. That's my point. I think this, the, the, the big beef I have with what you're saying, Josh, here is that you're trying to get us to uh, pre- uh, switch the pressure release valve. Absolutely not. The Overton window has shifted. That's a win. People are now talking rightly that we're talking wrongly before. That's a win. 100%. Increase the pressure. Increase it. Because we need to make this a situation that if you're woke, you are not a Christian. You are out of the church. You kick them out. If you want to divide the church up like a pizza according to skin color, if you want to be uh, racially partial, if you want to do that kind of stuff, do it out there in pagan land. You don't do it in the church. We want to draw a sharp distinction. I was woke before. I've seen the light. It was unbiblical. It was ungodly. It was, it was against the law of God. And now, here's what I'm saying. This is a dividing line. This is a dividing line. We need to increase the pressure. This is the time, Josh. This is the time. They, they, they want us to take our foot off the gas. They want us to not press the attack. This is the time to press the attack. We've got them right where we want them. We've got them right where we want them. They're up against the edge of the of the cliff. And they've got two options. They can jump all the way off the cliff like Jamar Tisby, or we've got a hand for you, man. Look, there's grace for you, brother. There's grace. But you've got to repent. You've got to show us the error of you. You've got to, to say, no more, I'm not doing this, and now I'm fighting for the right team. A lot of these guys are not fighting for the right team. A lot of these guys are fighting for team themselves. And that's the reality. So while I respect a lot of what Josh Dawes has said here, and we've got to accept the, the wins where we get them, uh, we got to acknowledge that stuff. I, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. This is not the time to lay your weapons down. 100% disagree with that, Josh. This is the time to press the attack. Whack-a-mole or not, this is the time because we haven't completed the job yet. We haven't. SBC is still as woke as a joke. The PCA is still up in the air as, as far as what's going to happen. Are they going to go all the way gay? Or, or you know, We don't know yet. It's up in the air. The fight is still upon us. We cannot rest. We cannot rest. Josh, I love you, brother. I love you. I hope you see this as a helpful, you know, brotherly love type of uh, rebuke. It wasn't even really a rebuke. It's just a complete disagreement. I know you're fighting for the angels, brother. I love you. God bless you. I hope you found this podcast helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.